What's going on, guys? I'm Nate. And I'm Colin. And welcome back to Behind the Streams. So we're going to start off today's episode like we usually do, just talking about some of the stuff we've been listening to in the past week or so. Uh, I know that for the past uh, about a week, I've pretty much been fixed in in one artist, and that's John Coltrane. He was already one of my favorite artists, but I've really been digging into a lot of his live albums. Uh, one from the early 60s, live at the Village Vanguard. One from the late 60s, live at Birdland. These are all great recordings that I didn't even know existed until about a week ago. And when his music is live, just jazz in general, but especially with John Coltrane, you can really hear the creative process just happening as he plays like you can feel the creation flowing through his instrument and it's just an amazing thing to listen to uh another thing that's important i feel like i have to bring it up as the resident freddie gibbs fan he released a new single with schoolboy schoolboy q called gang signs it was a very good song i definitely recommend i actually have not checked out that song yet i meant to a while ago but i never actually did and along with uh, Mad Lib's new album. I meant to listen to that, but I never did. And I'm sure Nate's kind of angry with me. That I completely that. forgot that came out too. Mad Lib just released a new uh, instrumental album called Sound Ancestors. It was a compilation of beats that he's created over the years, produced by his friend Fortet, who is an electronic musician. And he just brought all these beats together into a great album. I definitely recommend that album too, especially... If you're a fan of Mad Villainy or Pinata and you want to look more into Mad Lib, this is a great place to listen. It's like, uh, it's an electronic producer, right? With uh, Mad yeah. Lib? What yeah. is it like? Like an industrial hip hop? It's not really as much as you would think. It's just that Fortet was pretty good friends with Mad Lib and he knew he had all of these beats just sitting there. He was listening to them and he was like, hey man, these are some great beats. I really think you should do something with them. So he took the uh, responsibility of mixing the beats together, finishing up the production, the mastering, and releasing it as an album. Yeah, Mad Lib is one of a kind. If you guys are into like instrumental hip-hop or you like the complexity of some beats, then definitely check that out. Um, for me, what I've been listening to recently is, of course, Radiohead. I, It's kind of scaring me how much I've been enjoying Radiohead <laughs> recently. I've only heard The Benz and OK Computer because I'm really trying to appreciate every single album as much as I can. But... I've been listening to just from the Benz a ton recently. Just this guitar solo at the end and the melody of the chorus the whole time is amazing for that song. Also, um, Paranoid Android, the single off of OK Computer, has been climbing up my opinion on of my opinion on one of my favorite songs too. It actually passed a bunch of Mac Miller songs and I <laughs> I do think Radiohead, is, it's kind of scaring me, but I think Radiohead might be one of my favorite artists. Colin, soon. are you telling me that soon you're not going to be talking about Mac Miller on the podcast anymore? I'll definitely still be talking Thank about God. Mac Miller. I was worried for a second. But Radiohead, they might be the king soon. What was um, that What was that album you listened to a few nights ago? I remember you were texting me about it. I listened to Moon Safari by Air. I've been uh, seeing yeah. a ton of great stuff about this album. I heard someone say it was like life-changing. Another person said that it was an amazing way to get into a new genre. So I checked it out. And I mean, obviously, sort of chill stuff isn't normally my sort of thing. I listened to, what was it, Moonchild, I think, yeah. by Little Ghost. And 
it was the same sort of genre as this. It, it was like felt like it was walking through a garden, very peaceful and relaxing. I liked the vibe originally, but it quickly got old for me and I wanted a little bit more direction to the music. But I decided to give that genre a try again with Moon Safari and it really surprised me. It was a super relaxing album, but it wasn't really like just mindless noise. It definitely had melody to it and there was direction to it, but it was super chill. Um, songs that really jumped out at me were La, Fr- La Femme d'Argent and I don't even know how to pronounce that. C'est Martin La from Luan. Can you pronounce this is, that? This is unmusic related, but his French pronunciations are bothering me too much. <laughs> uh, it's La Femme d'Argent and C'est Martin La are the two songs. Mm-hmm. So for anyone who speaks French out there, I'm very sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, they're really like, there's like four French artists that I really listen to a lot. And Air is one of them that like, I listened to it and I was starting to notice a pattern. I was like, all French artists really seem to like the electronic sort of style. Um, these beats um, made on this album, there isn't a ton of real instruments on it, but it's all really like computer programmed and I like that style, honestly. It feels very 80s-ish. Like some sounds, some songs sound like a heist movie from the 80s, except it's like really chill. And then others sound more like, um, I don't know, like a chill scene from an 80s movie. I have noticed that a lot of the stuff that you listen to and seem to like is very like 80s new wave or just inspired by that. Like a lot of MGMT, LCD sound system and air all three of those are very like 80s new wave inspired type of music. Mm-hmm. And um, Porter Robinson, who is going to be dropping an album on April 23rd, he's his 2014 album Worlds really draws inspirations from all of those artists as well. So I've definitely been noticing that pattern. Um, going along with that, I listened to Congratulations by MGMT. Been really re-listening to that a lot. And I do think that that is one of their best albums objectively, though I haven't really it hasn't really clicked for me personally yet. It is a great album though. Songs like "It's Working," "Flash Delirium," and "I Found a Whistle" are all amazing on there. And then um, finally, sorry for talking so long, but I listened to "Magdalene" by FKA Twigs. Oh. Um, I know Nate had already listened to that. That album is amazing. If you haven't listened to "Magdalene" by FKA Twigs, you have to check it out. The story told by it is one of a kind. I want to save that hopefully for an album review in the future, so I won't go too into depth on that yet. But there are some amazing songs on there. Cellophane and Sad Day really leaped out at me. Holy Terrain, too, and Mirrored Heart are great songs from that album. A lot of that album is really, really good. And going back to Holy Terrain, the song I just mentioned, I would never expect Future to make an appearance on this kind of album, but he does, and it works. And honestly, that just draws everything together. The fact that Future can rap a verse on this sad, emotional pop album and make it fit. I would never say that that's pop. I'm sorry, but that did not remind me of pop at all. I don't know what else to I'd say. I'd say that Magdalene, it, it's really interesting. It leaps between like these really soft pianos over her beautiful falsetto. And then it goes into these like nasty industrial sounds that sound straight out of Big Fish Theory or Yeezus. So I love that duality of the album as well. Okay, I think that's it for me. <laughs> okay, there's one more album that uh, I know you wanted to talk about a bit, and I definitely wanted to talk about a bit, just because it shows how sometimes when you expect to hear something in an album and it doesn't show up, you get a little frustrated, but it also shows how powerful it is to just 
listen to things multiple times to really understand it. And that album is one of the greatest of all times, an absolute classic. Pretty much everyone knows it. This is Kinda Blue by Miles Davis, the modal jazz album made in the late 50s that completely changed the way people approached jazz music for years to come. Rather than structuring out the music through chord changes that the player had to navigate, Miles Davis would lay out one chord or one melody for the whole song and just let every individual soloist do what they wanted with it. So Miles and John Coltrane and Cannonball Adderley and Bill Evans can all take these amazing long solos where they just play what they want and it will fit in the music because it was designed to fit anything. But I know you had very different experiences than me with this album, Colin. I personally have grown up with this album ever since I was a little kid, I've heard it. But what was your experience with it? Yeah, I knew that um, you obviously drew towards jazz because like that's what you grew up with. That's your background. But when I first heard this album, I had never really heard like only jazz. I'd only really heard jazz influenced stuff like swimming with the horns on swimming or Divine Feminine, for lack of a better example, yeah. to Mac Miller albums. That's another good point. Kind of unrelated, but if you are a hip-hop fan, it's really hard to avoid jazz just because of how closely the genres are intertwined. So even someone who listens to listens to no jazz like Colin had heard its influence everywhere. Mm -hmm. But um, the stuff that I had heard in the hip-hop songs I'd listened to were very different from what I actually got with Kind of Blue. I was expecting these catchy little trumpet riffs with saxophones layered in and a really chill drum beat. But when I heard it, all I really heard was just the solos. There was an introduction, two, three solos, and then an outro. And that really confused me because it wasn't the song structure I was expecting. And I felt disappointed in it. However, I did re-listen to it a bit ago and... I stopped really being angry at it or expecting much from it. And I really just appreciated the music for what it was. And my opinion really changed on it. I'm definitely going to check out more jazz in the future. And it really kind of opened my eyes towards jazz. Hey, if you need some jazz album recommendations, just let me know. Um, I'm going to be completely honest. When you told me that you listened to Kind of Blue and thought it was terrible, I was really angry. I was like, no, you're wrong. I didn't say this it was album, terrible. Not, not terrible. You just didn't like it. I was like, no. This album is amazing. And I really, for months, didn't understand. I was like, how can you not like this album? It's beautiful. It's music that's being created right in front of you. And then I read an article by somebody else who had did not enjoy Kind of Blue on their first listen. And they kind of explained it. It was foreign. It was something completely foreign. It just sounded like nothing. It was music floating on air. It was long. It was drawn out. There was no structure to it. And then I realized that for someone like that guy or like Colin who just hadn't listened to things like this before, it's really hard to just listen to it and accept it right away. And then I realized where Colin was coming from and I was like, now I understand why this is just a difficult album for you to process on the first listen. And that really shows the power of listening to something twice or three times or over and over again. Just because when you go in the first time, your opinions can be very easily skewed by something you expect or something you want to hear or something you don't want to hear. And you just won't have the full opinions on it. So sometimes you have to go back and re-listen with different expectations to fully grasp the album. Yeah, it's always a struggle of mine to keep my mind blank and open to anything whenever I'm listening to an album. Oh yeah, it is for me too. It is for everyone, I assume. But every time I hear an album and I feel like my personal bias or what I expected of it gets in the way, I immediately add it to my albums to re-listen to list and I check it out again and... Next, when I listen to it again, it's easier to like just appreciate the music for what it is 
and I stopped really worrying about what I want it to be. Um, another example of what happened for me is Dreamland by Glass Animals. I know Nate is not really going to want to talk about this, <laughs> but I listened to Dreamland. The first time I heard it, I was angry because I expected another how to be a human being out of Glass Animals. But of course, they're a dynamic band. They changed their sound with every album. And I didn't really know that yet since I hadn't heard Zabba. So I was expecting another sort of alt-rock sort of feel, but instead I got this really poppy sort of album, and I was really disappointed in them. However, I re-listened to it later, and I re-listened to it again and again, and slowly but surely, every time I heard it, uh, my opinion would change on the album, and I would realize I was enjoying it more than I thought I was. Um, it's not in my top 10, but I do really enjoy that album. And I think that re-listening definitely um, played a key role in enjoying that album now. I never really liked that album. I listened to it once, didn't like it. And I listened to it again and didn't like it. But that's just me. It's all down to personal preference. So, you know, it changes with everything. I've definitely had albums that my opinion changed on over the year. Uh, or just not over the years, just over time. The first time I listened to Yeezus by Kanye West, I was like, okay, this is all right. It's now grown to be one of my favorite albums ever. I'd say there's only four, five, six albums I like more than Yeezus. So it's just crazy to see how far your opinions can swing on something just when you really start to fully understand it. Yeah, and honestly, with opinions changing, um, I used to be afraid of that too. Like uh, a month ago or a couple months ago, considering that another artist might be beating Mac Miller or might be close would have been terrifying to me because I had been with Mac Miller for over a year now. And I loved his music so much. I've been working on his discography, really appreciating every album for what it was and like worshiping the guy. <laughs> and I, I wouldn't say I was afraid of listening to anything better, but I definitely kind of like was iffy about thinking an album or an artist was better than Swimming or Mac. So when I heard OK Computer and started listening to Radiohead, it kind of alarmed me at first, but I watched a YouTube video about um, opinions changing by none other than Anthony Fantano, and I really thought himself. I thought that he was speaking facts there. Um, <laughs> he talked about how if your music opinion doesn't change and you're not exposing yourself to new experiences, and I really thought that he would. That was a great point, actually. Um, if you're not uh, if your opinion isn't changing or you're not exposing yourself to different genres, then you're not really appreciating the music for what it is. And of course, if you're not really big on music, that's okay. You can only listen to a couple albums and be perfectly fine. But if there's always going to be something better out there and just shutting yourself out from totally new genres because you don't want to hear something better than your favorite album is, I wouldn't say wrong, but that's definitely not how you want to go about listening to music. Yeah, I know I, for one, recently have been trying to get into a little more alt-rock and a little more 70s and 80s funk, just because those are genres that I want to understand more and appreciate more. I know a lot of people do, and I just haven't really even scratched the surface of them, so I know that I should keep listening to try to understand them, rather than just listening to the hip-hop and the jazz that I cling to, because that's what I'm used to. Um, I know Colin knows this story. I don't know if I've ever told it on the podcast, but I got into hip hop around the end, I'd say the end of 2019, early December. And then for months, I listened to Kendrick Lamar, I listened to Kanye West, Mac Miller, Chance the Rapper, Tyler the Creator, J. Cole, that was it. I didn't want to listen to anything else because I was used to what I liked. And I was like, oh, well, it can't get better than this. In the middle of I think it was probably 
April or May of 2020, I listened to one album, The Lost Boy by YBN Corday. And after I listened to it, I realized there's so much music I'm missing out on. I started to listen to a lot of other rappers after that, trying to branch out my music taste. And then I discovered, uh, I wouldn't say underground because they're pretty well known, but just less popular artists that have grown to be some of my favorites, like Mad Lib, Freddie Gibbs, Standing on the Corner, Vince Staples. Like I wouldn't listen to these rappers if I hadn't listened to The Lost Boy and realized how much music I was missing out on. So it's just expanding your music taste is absolutely necessary. I think that if you don't try to listen to everything at the very least, you will be missing out on stuff. And if you don't consider yourself a huge music fan, that's fine. Listen to what you like. There's no problem with it. But if you consider yourself a music fan, it's necessary to explore all genres just to see what there is. What about Lord? That's a different story. <laughs> Lord is... Is it bad to say that Lord is the greatest pop artist of all time? No, definitely all right. not. Someone, I know someone will be mad at me. I also don't listen to a lot of pop, but from what I've heard, Lord is the greatest pop artist of all time, and I will stand by that until someone proves me wrong. Uh, this wasn't one of our talking points, but this just kind of reminded me of it. The people online that really like sort of gatekeep music as well. Do you think that's like something's going on there with like them being afraid to express their opinion or like change their opinion? I I mean, I for one absolutely love gatekeeping. I think it's necessary to hide music. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's necessary to hide music from people you don't like. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, people love to gatekeep things they like, especially when it's a little bit more underground, lesser known. Partly because I agree they're afraid. They don't want the music they like to become mainstream they want to remain different and they want to remain special and it's hard to see other people appreciating what they like i think it's a stupid mindset i don't know why anyone wouldn't want their favorite artist to get more listeners and become more popular uh i saw a person on tiktok who posted about music opinions talk about this for a while i think it was like four minute long videos that he posted and all of them were saying like if you are happy that your favorite artist doesn't get a lot of monthly listeners or doesn't get a lot of attention, then are they really your favorite artist? You are actively happy that this person's not getting the attention they deserve. How does that make sense? Yeah, it's if it's more of like just you wanting to play this on the aux and say that you're different because you listen to something that doesn't have a ton of streams, um, I don't really know what's going on with you there, but um, you should... I wouldn't say you should be ashamed of yourself because that's a little bit harsh to be saying that we're all you should like, be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> I almost let myself slip and say that. No, um, I definitely think that everybody has their own experiences and opinions and it's okay to say and do whatever you want as long as it's not putting down anybody else. But the fact that you're doing that and thinking that like you're cool or you're different for listening to something with not a lot of views and like specifically not wanting people to hear it yet still telling people you listen to it that's a little contradictory don't you think uh the example that the guy on tiktok uses by the way if anyone has tiktok this is not sponsored but follow at will talks music he is probably the most educated and opinionated person i've seen on the app when people say they listen to everything they're lying he actually listens to everything and has good opinions on all of it but His main example, something I didn't really know about because I didn't really listen to Phoebe Bridgers until later in this year, but she was one of the most gatekeeped artists and there were fans who were actively mad when Punisher came out because she was starting to get a lot of mainstream attention for making such a good album. And he was saying, I've been a huge Phoebe Bridgers fan since whatever, 2016, 2017, and he was happy 
to see her get all the attention because he knew that she deserved that attention and now she's finally getting it, which is just amazing for her. And she's making more money and probably happier now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and like wanting to see your favorite artist succeed should be something natural. You shouldn't want to keep everybody away from them just so you could be different. Like it's about it's like about the artist. The artist is yeah, making this yeah. music for you. Would do you really want them to like um like not succeed in their profession or their field just so you can say that you listen to something obscure? I'm sorry for like really beating people down, but this is something that kind of makes me mad because I see people Definitely. online. About it makes this. me mad too. Like I don't want people to come out of listen to this episode and come out like feeling bad about themselves. But if you actively make people feel bad or make fun of people for like supporting an artist that you're trying to gatekeep, then you need to reassess how big of a fan you really are of that artist because I don't know what the thought process is for that. And back to like the um, discovering new artists and changing your opinion. Hey, if your favorite artist has that indie appeal to you and then they get really popular, there are so many more indie artists out there you can check out. So yeah, if the even that's another good point. If the appeal to you is the indie, the underground vibes, then don't get mad when your favorite indie artist goes big. Go find new indie artists that you can appreciate. Like that would be the logical approach to me because I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying underground music more than mainstream music, but don't get mad when the underground band goes mainstream. Exactly. Um, uh, I don't really know a good way to segue this into the next point. We can just, but... we can just talk about it. Go okay, ahead. so I had another point that I wanted to talk about was what makes an artist your favorite or one of your favorites? That's how I phrased it. Um, it could be the indie appeal. It could be you like this one album a ton and the rest of it is pretty good or you have like a ton of emotional attachment to them. But for me personally, I think if I'm really going to like enjoy an artist and say that they are my favorite, I should enjoy their music, obviously. But I think that vibing with a, an artist's personality and what they stand for is definitely very important to me. I think it's absolutely different for everyone and you can't quantify what makes someone your favorite or the best artist i know for me my favorite artist being john coltrane he's someone who inspires me every day as somebody who also plays jazz saxophone the things that he was able to do in his relatively short career is sensational not only is all his music amazing but he was a genius so he personally inspires me every day along with making amazing music so that's something for me mm -hmm. yeah and um one of my mom's favorite bands, R.E.M., she's been listening to since high school. Um, she just really loves them because of all, like, the memories she has with their music. And they've kind of, like, soundtracked her life. And I really like that idea of having an artist um, mean that much to you. For me, Mac Miller being my favorite artist, um, I wouldn't say with, like, the drug addiction he's an inspiration, but his whole personality and what he did in his life is very inspiring to me. He was all about positivity. He accepted and respected everybody. I really try to live up to what he did. And he created the greatest song of all time, Donald Trump. <laughs> I don't know if what you're doing if you haven't heard that song, but there's nothing about that song that isn't perfect, in my opinion. I wouldn't even say <laughs> I wouldn't even say the song is that good, but just the story. Just that everything goes along that goes with along it. with it. This is completely unpolitical. It's just funny, okay? If no matter who you support <laughs> politically, you will find this funny, I promise. This whole saga between Mac Miller and Donald Trump in what, 2010? 
Yeah, we don't want to spoil oh, it, but you should go on Google <laughs> no. or Safari, whatever search engine you do you use, and just look up Mac Miller Donald Trump tweets. I think that's what I usually. It look will up definitely for. be worth your time. It's so funny. <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, um, I actually wanted to talk about MGMT as well. Um, even though I don't absolutely love any of their albums necessarily, even though like. Oracular Spectacular, of course, top 10 for me. I love that album so much. Yeah. But the rest of it, I definitely wouldn't say Little Dark Age is amazing or anything mind-blowing to me. Congratulations probably will be something I enjoy in the future, but it hasn't clicked for me yet. I just really love MGMT's whole personality they have with their music as well. And I think that their whole like sort of sarcastic, cynical nature of their songs and uh, what they do in interviews and stuff. That's such a joy to me to go on their YouTube their YouTube channel and watch like horrible quality videos <laughs> and stuff I don't even know. One of my favorite moments from recording this podcast was I think our second or third episode we were reviewing Oracular Spectacular and Colin told me, well, he told everyone while we were recording that their goal while making music was to sell out as quickly as possible. And I had to walk away from the microphone because I couldn't stop laughing. Just the idea of, yeah, we're going to make music and sell out as quickly as possible. Oh, we accidentally made a classic album. I, I love that sort of just like the irony of MGMT's story is so funny to me. And even if I kind of fall out of enjoying their music as much as I used to, I'm still always going to love MGMT as a band because of what they did and like just how funny their antics that they do on yeah. and off screen. It's just so funny. Uh, there's one more thing we want to talk about before we end off this episode, and this is kind of going back to the kind of blue conversation we had at the start of this episode, but uh, I, when I was re-listening to The Bends by Radiohead, I was astonished by how much of a voice that Johnny Greenwood's guitar um, solos really had. I thought that even though Tom York is an amazing vocalist, I was listening to the guitar on that album, and I was like, wait a second, it's... I feel like it's telling more of a story than um, Tom York actually is. And I thought that was a really interesting thing for me to hear. I know that Nate listens to jazz a ton. His favorite album, he's talked to me about this before with the story that the my, instruments yeah, play. My favorite album of all time is The Black Saint and the Sinner Lady by Charles Mingus. I don't know if I've said that on here, but that's what it is. And one of the appeals of that album is the human voice that every individual player manages to bring out of their instrument is just incredible. Specifically... The alto saxophone player, Charlie Mariano, and the trombone player, whose name I don't know. But the two of them are the best examples of just bringing a human voice to their instrument. And that's not really the same as the bends, because since there are no singing or spoken words on that album, the instruments aren't outperforming the vocalist per se, but they're definitely bringing a human voice to something that is not human. In general, in jazz music, I love when that happens. That's another thing I know I've talked about him a lot today, but John Coltrane is probably better at that than anyone else at making his instrument sound human and real the way that he will go through notes and run arpeggios as quickly as he can to form a wall of sound. The way that when he plays really loud or really high, it squeaks and cracks a little bit. It just feels very natural and human the way he plays. And it's one of the more interesting things about his playing and one of the main reasons why I love him so much. I know I listened to that album and that was truly a one of a kind experience. I heard the players playing through their instruments, but it didn't really sound like an instrument to my brain. As if I heard a human voice, I heard 
pain in the instrument. I, or I heard happiness in the instruments. It was a roller coaster of emotions, and there wasn't a single word spoken in that album. Um, along with the bends, it isn't quite to that um, ex- uh, extent, but I do think I love the way Radiohead uses their guitars in their albums. Um, Nate can attest to this with Paranoid Android when he said, when you said like, I forget what I said exactly, but it was something about, it just felt like they were falling into insanity even more in the instrumental breaks than in the verses. I'm not a huge Radiohead fan, but that is one thing that I definitely noticed while listening to OK Computer. No, but that's true. Um, listening to that um, song, when Tom York is singing, it's a more subdued sort of guitar with the drums underneath him. Obviously, his lyrics are telling a story, but it's not very intense. And then you get to the two guitar solos of that song, and the, you can really hear it there. I was listening to it earlier, Paranoid Android, and I felt like there was like pressure on my head when I was listening to those guitar solos because it's so violent and fast-paced, and you can feel like you're really losing your mind listening to that song, and it astonishes me how much of a voice and how powerful their usage of the guitar is in their songs. This is a pretty lame example, but it's one that I'm sure every hip hop fan and every Kanye fan knows. And it's pretty cliched and overused, especially online. But if you haven't heard it, you should definitely check it out. Mike Dean's guitar solo on Kanye West's Hold My Liquor brings such a human voice to the guitar in a song that's already very emotionally charged. It's great to hear that. I know that's a bit of a cliched example that you hear all the time, but I mean, it's cliched for a reason. If you haven't heard Mike Dean on Hold My Liquor, check it out. And also on Devil in a New Devil Dress. Devil in a New Dress, too. I just prefer the Hold My Liquor solo. They're both amazing solos. Mike Dean's Absolutely. an amazing producer. I love the way he works with Kanye. He's been working with Kanye since like the college dropout, right? Uh, no, I think since only My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. But yeah, their synergy together on the production is one of a kind. I can't imagine any better production duo than Kanye West and Mike Dean. Um, I could go, There's the list goes on and on of amazing songs that they've made together. But yeah, that's our last talking point. I just really wanted to go over like the story that the instruments can really tell. And with more and more emphasis on storytelling and good lyricism with people praising artists like Kendrick Lamar or J. Cole or even Saba telling a story uh, through Prom Slash King on his album Care For Me. Um, There is more emphasis on lyrics, but I think that we should go back and also appreciate the instruments and the instrumentalists That's true. I think a good instrumental is what elevates something above. I think good, real human instrumentals can elevate even higher than good lyrics can. So I think that'll be it for our episode. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at WLTL Behind the Streams. Um, Go follow the Spotify if you haven't already. Um, If you want to hear more good radio, you can listen to WLTL 88.1. And Uh, of course, there will be a playlist to come with this episode. Like always, make sure to check it out. We'll put a lot of good examples of songs we're listening to. As always, I'm Nate. And I'm Colin. And thank you for listening to Behind the Streams. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.